Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I'm joined by Will Murden and in the presence of English Jess as well. Week 11 recap show. How's it going tonight, Will? Really good. Yes, we have producer Jess here, watchful eye over the top of us this evening. So I'm sure it's going to be a crash hot episode. Oh, she's looking on with complete and utter disdain at this point the fact that two grown-ass men can get together on a monday night spend three hours talking about effectively nothing and then coming and recording a show what do you mean effectively nothing well i mean in and amongst the quality content that is college football there's talk of how i bench the pittsburgh steelers or the fact that I don't know, the weather's better or your crappy business discussions that I'd give zero shits about but you continue to talk to me about. I did notice that. It's a bit disappointing. Uh, Yeah, no fair. There is a lot of shit that goes in there so I can probably understand her disdain towards us. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I'm sure I'll hear about it later. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And thank you for your uh, approval there English Jess all right a big show to get to tonight in week 11 obviously the premier week or you know built as being one of the big big weeks of college football particularly with the LSU Alabama game being at the apex of that and it kind of delivered in the end which was fantastic Uh, but a whole bunch of other games that that were fantastic. The Big Ten in general was amazing and all their games were really entertaining and a whole bunch of other stuff to get to as well. On top of the game recaps, we do have helmet stickers, Aussies in action, bold predictions and we are going on the punt as well. Whether that lasts till the end of the show, I don't know because I can see just the table is just quivering where your rock-hard erection is just knocking on the bottom of the table there after a, a finally a big win on the punt wheel. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. <laughs> oh, God, we're not opening with it. We are. It's going all episode, I think. All episode. I've done it. Finally broken in. We're back, baby. <laughs> oh, God. We have done it. This is brilliant. This is my uh, uh, juice uh, moment, I guess, for this week. And, you know, this week was a ripper of college football and it should be around what we had on the field. But for me, it's what happened in the bank account. We've finally done it on the punt. I hope everyone out there has stuck with me and and managed to stick it through. It wasn't quite the ultimate of Jag and all three, but Illinois got the job done as heavy outsiders. So we can touch it on later, but I'm back (laughs) and I'm up and about. Okay, no doubt we... This is going to be relentless. Even after 10 weeks of supreme mediocrity, uh, you you are the Brian Lewerke of betting and you've come through big in in one week and that's and that's great for you. He ain't coming through big. Well, yeah, he, he didn't, but, you know. Anyway, he'll, he'll have a game somewhere in throughout the end of the year in the last three or four games and be like, yep, nah, that, see, was the will, that was the will gambling that's week. That's a poor one because no one gives a fuck about Michigan State now where everyone gives a fuck about the punt and my stock is through the roof. People are going to be clamoring to the end of our preview episodes now to get those hot tips because it's all gravy. It's all good. For all right. how long? For how long? Mate, it's pointing in the right direction. Just enjoy it while you're up there. Okay. Absolutely, I will. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on outside of your own slightly narcissistic 
view and slightly egotistical view of this week's college football. Absolutely, absolutely. So this was everything you could ask for. I mean, we had the big marquee matchup and it had huge potential to disappoint because it was like on the radar for a fortnight. Everyone was all about it. We knew this was going to be the big game and it lived up to the billing, which is rare that that actually happened. So that was awesome. Really loved that. We had the big underdog story, Minnesota getting it done against Penn State. I mean, they were... Uh, also undefeated, but they hadn't done anything. They hadn't played anyone who was any good yet. So there was a lot of skepticism there and they got it done, which was just awesome. And the scenes after that game were sick. My Bearcats got it done. They were, they're just rolling at the moment. So happy with that. The only thing that really let me down was Iowa State couldn't fi- finish the job against Oklahoma. That really would have just been absolute bliss for me. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I can't disagree with you. I think the LSU-Bama game was great. At the end, the Big Ten in general was enjoyable. And I think that Iowa State-Oklahoma is potentially developing into, providing Matt Campbell stays there, a really good rivalry year in, year out. Obviously, there was the Lanning incident where they went into Norman and won with a linebacker slash quarterback. And then they pushed them close the following year. And then there was the flag planting ceremony and all that sort of stuff that Baker got involved with, I think. And... So there was this little rivalry here between Iowa State and Oklahoma is de- is developing into one you want to watch year in, year out. So that's what has got me excited is that whilst I was trying to curb the enthusiasm, I, I missed the mark this week. I will take the shot there. I'll eat my little crow and we can move on happily. We don't need to remind anybody at all about the horrendous series of picks that I made throughout this week's games. But overall, it was it was just super entertaining, super enjoyable, and and that final four and and that top end of college football is starting to take shape. And it is as I say, take shape. It is clear as mud at the moment, and it's only going to get murkier. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't know. There's there's still going to be big questions around what we see with Alabama and and what happens there. There's there's a lot to be played out. But this was brilliant. This really has set us up for the home stretch, which is just awesome. Okay, disappointing things from this week's action. Chad Morris getting fired at Arkansas. I'm a, I'm a bit of a Chad Morris fan. I like him. I liked him as the offensive coordinator at Clemson. He didn't quite make things happen for Pig Suey. And unfortunately, they turn... Well, unfortunately for him, they turn him loose. And they will be in the market for a coach. And they haven't had a good run recently. Obviously, Brett Bielema before him and then Chad Morris was going to come in and turn them into a high-powered offense which he didn't manage to do and now where to from here for Arkansas I don't exactly know Um, so that was that along with Alabama only dropping to four in the AP poll were my two biggest disappointments of the weekend yeah I mean Chad Morris has been nothing short of terrible there yeah they have just been really bad they are got smoked on the weekend by Western Kentucky after losing to San Jose State earlier in the year. I mean, they're not bad group of five teams, but you can't be getting smoked by these teams mm. as an SEC program. They haven't won in the SEC. Since Chad Morris has been there. Yeah. He didn't win an SEC game. It, it's just terrible. So it kind of, it had to happen. We talk about wanting to give these coaches some leeway and and time to implement their program, but there was just no life. Absolutely nothing. And it was always going to be a really tough gig because they were going from a super run-heavy style into a real spread out. And that was going to take some time and some adjustments, sort of what we're seeing at Georgia Tech almost going from the the 
triple option to a more standard offense, that was always going to take a bit more time. And I think, I don't know, it's just the SEC is the SEC. You, you've kind of, expectations there are so insanely high that he was always up against it. And now he's out looking for a job. So he's going to be left with a nice little $10 million buyout, uh, which is pretty handy to know that those monthly payments will still be coming in. And I think they're still paying out Belima as well for his time there. So there's some sort of court dealio going on with him at the moment, but they do have outstanding money left on his contract that they're trying to sort out after firing him. It's not looking good in Arkansas at the moment, and I bet that they wish they were in the Big 12 or somewhere else because it's just not working for them. Yeah, for sure. Thoughts on Alabama dropping to four in the AP? I know there's a lot to come out in the college football ranking side of things, but uh, yeah, I don't... I don't know how I feel about that one. Alabama is still obviously a very good team, but to get beaten in your own house and really dominated for large stretches of that game, I, I think that drops you further than fourth to me, especially when you've got an un... Yes, I know Minnesota are coming from deep, and this has always been my issues with the rankings because Minnesota were coming from so far down, but Minnesota have gone and beaten a team that you believe is the fourth best in the country, and now they yeah they bump themselves up but they're still undefeated this isn't a a one-hit wonder like the South Carolina game I just don't really understand how Alabama drops in there at number four yeah I don't know if you sit back and look at it and thought you know you wanted to go these guys neutral field head-to-head Alabama versus Minnesota who are you taking uh yeah I feel like they're more than two touchdown favourites. But that's not how the rankings work. That's not how they've ever worked. Yeah, It's reactionary. uh, And the reaction hasn't been there. It's it's been... And I'm careful because I always feel like I bash the SEC, but there is what feels like a massive SEC bias. And yes, you can argue that Alabama have been fantastic and they, you know, have got their track record that backs up what we're saying. But you can't use that as an argument now because Clemson are getting slammed their track record is immaculate, but they're getting slammed because of their potential weakness this year. And then when Alabama show their weakness, it's not received in the same way. And they were manhandled pretty comfortably, I yeah, think. Yeah, but still only lost by, what, five points? Yeah, but the game was gone. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. And I never know, and I never really feel comfortable in these discussions and arguments around the rankings because I think a team like Minnesota if they were ranked at seven or six before this game happens then they would probably jump in but because they're coming from deeper but they, they should don't be coming like, from deeper too I mean that's they've got one win one decent win now so you might argue that's more than Alabama have got yeah uh, I understand that but I'm still yeah bide my time a bit on Minnesota uh for me, my letdown this week uh, was actually before the games kicked off and it was the news that Chase Young was not playing and that was potentially facing uh, a lengthy suspension from the NCAA. So this is in light of uh, some report that's come out that he accepted a loan from a family friend that allowed him to fly his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl last year. So he's accepted this loan and then he's since paid it back, but obviously it's all a bit dodgy. So the word is at the moment that he's looking at a four-game suspension uh, and that the university will look to appeal that and try and get it reduced. Of course they will appeal that. 
But I think the, the angle here is to kind of, yep, cop the four, appeal it, get it down to two, and then kind of have him back for the Michigan game. I, I feel like that's what they want. But I don't know. It's just, it seems super convenient that Ohio State are really good and now their best player is no longer available. Like, I, I, I just, this shit happens all the time. And then when it does surface in these moments, I, I just don't like it. Like, I'd rather kind of see a whole lot more of it and a big clamp down and it kind of all out in the open and just like, yeah, this shit's happening and we're really clamping down on it rather than just one instance at a the highest profile guy on that team to kind of try and make, send a message maybe. I don't know what it is, but I just I don't like it. I want to see the best dudes on the field playing and we're going to be robbed of that potentially for some really important matchups. Yeah, I don't disagree. And, and there's a lot of NCAA in terms of the institution haters out there because of these kind of actions. They are very happy to sweep things under the rug, ignore them, ignore tips, uh, ignore insight from boosters, fans, whoever that give them these. They don't have, and they openly admit they don't have the resources and the money to be able to go and investigate every school correctly and as in depth as they would like. And that's fair enough. But you can't then just go and pull one out of the blue. I 100% agree. It feels like a bit of, and I need to be a little bit careful here, but sometimes there are some groups in our society who feel like they need to justify their job a little bit and they do that by sticking their hooks into something at some stage to to make that justification and it it is really really frustrating having said that if he's cheated like like you said if he's cheated i don't want him playing there's rules there and they need to be upheld but you can't pick and choose which ones you go after and you either exactly you either get after all of them or you don't and it's this pick and choose thing that has fans disgruntled schools disgruntled and this real big push to a non-ncaa affiliated competition for young athletes that are on their way to the nfl yeah i mean it's the whole razor ray effect from a football world i kind of compare it to where yeah everyone knows the dude but it's not because he's a good umpire like he's he kind of gets his nose in there and the ncaa they, they feel that need to make a statement and be known that, that umpires are at their best when you, you haven't noticed them you got to the end of the game and you didn't realize that they were there and that's why he gives me the shits because he just sometimes pulls stuff to make himself the center of it and this feels like the ncaa's someone in that organization's pulling something to make themselves relevant get the fuck out of here no one cares about you no one wants to see that so it's not a good one no it's not and there's two sides to it i don't like the cheating but i don't like the ncaa randomly flexing their muscles at sporadic times throughout the year anyway biggest reaction from this weekend i'm going to throw this one to you william and that is that bama the alabama university roll tired what or not uh, are absolutely done for season 2019 this is it they're cooked they've had their game and this is it for them yeah and i do not agree with that i mean we've seen this happen before apparently alabama are so mighty and powerful that they do not need to win their conference to make it into the national championship game and all it takes is a few things to kind of go their way and they're back like clemson lose they're done yes yeah, yeah, yeah that one i agree with but that opens up another spot uh, the Big Ten gets murky, so 
somehow we get Wisconsin or Minnesota drop one and get one and, and Ohio State lose that championship game, that opens up another spot. Alabama are walking into these spots. Like I still think they're on the outside looking in now. This one does hurt them. But what I don't want and what I'm really fearful of is having like a one-loss Oregon-Utah Pac-12 champ and a one-loss Alabama non-SEC champ didn't even play in the match and seeing that head-to-head because I don't think it'll be the Pac-12 that gets I don't think that's even a discussion at this stage. No one rates the Pac-12, particularly in the media. Uh, And, you I mean, that's as it is now. Oregon's only loss is against Auburn. And that's the other danger. If then Alabama go and blow out Auburn in the Iron Bowl, that pretty much writes off Oregon. I, I... You've also got a situation where you can have one loss LSU, they lose the championship game to Georgia, one loss Georgia who wins the SEC, and one loss Alabama. None of them. <laughs> They'll all get in. They'll all get in. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, there's still so much to play out because then you've got Oklahoma or, or Baylor in the Big 12. Uh, like Baylor, what they go undefeated and win the Big 12 can't not have them in. Correct. And they've, they haven't looked like the team, but... You know, there, there is a lot to play out here. So I'm certainly not ruling Alabama out because if there's anything that I've learned, they do have a lot of clout in this oh, absolutely. football and, game. And it feels this year, like we were talking about it off air just a little bit before, we, we felt like, you know, coming in, it was Clemson, Alabama again, and the season was just going to play out, which is actually what happened last season. And we thought it was just going to be 2018 2.0. What it's actually been is complete turmoil, complete chaos in terms of... You know, winning and losing, and the fact that it felt—it feels like college football again. Yeah. It feels like any team can win or lose on any weekend. You've just got to be down a little bit, and that team's got to be on five percent, and and you can win, and that's where this game is so enjoyable, with big underdogs coming out of nowhere and winning, and there is a chance that these teams can't feel safe, and this is what we've wanted from a college football playoff. We've wanted a situation where teams five through eight or nine have a legitimate claim and there is a chance this year that that will be the case which is wicked yeah because it gets us closer to that eight team playoff and we have to listen to your jerk off south pole again sick all right let's get to some game recaps let's start in the sec and let's start with that big game lsu 46 beat alabama 41 in tuscaloosa it was tight up until half time, almost. <laughs> and then a string of kind of plays, both poor from Alabama and good from LSU, gave the Tigers a 33-13 lead at the half. And the game sort of appeared over from then. LSU really controlled the flow of the match. LSU just seemed better. Alabama worked their way back into the contest to their credit, including a giant 80-yard or 75-yard touchdown pass to Devonta Smith in the in the closing minutes. And then it came down to an onside kick again. But you never really felt like Alabama was ever in control of this match. Uh, and well, I don't know, though. In the second half, they were the better team. I mean, they were down. In the first half, what I couldn't believe was how un-Alabama they were. Like, there was penalties that they were giving up. There was, like, 12 men on the field on a pick. There was a whole bunch of stuff that was just so not Alabama. And it was like they were rattled. 
but they were playing at home and I mean this is a big time team who's been on the biggest stages like all of these kids that play there too they're all state champs at their high school they've, they've done it they've been in national championship games at the college level but they were rattled to begin with and LSU just seemed to handle it that much better and, and were able to kind of flex on them and, and get that lead going into the half time. I still think that Alabama really showed that they're a very good football team in that second half and if there was a little bit more time then they were the ones storming home. They had all the wind in their sails but it was a, it was a ripper matchup. It, it, it kind of ebbed and flowed and it, it had a great storyline because LSU were able to get out in front and you're like, oh shit, can they pull this back? Maybe they can, maybe we'll see something incredible here and it was kind of still there right up until the end with that onside kick so... I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. We had, you know, two playmakers at the top of their game in Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa playing really well. Yeah. I mean, Tua was a bit off and, and what I really didn't like in this was a bit of the loser limp towards the end there. <laughs> you said that would play into their favour though. Well, no, and I still think it might. I think I still think that's the thing now that they've dropped this game that when we have these conversations in a month's time when we're trying to slot in that last team, they'll be like, yeah, but Alabama wasn't at full strength and, and he was hurt. And it was just one of those ones where I feel like if they win that game, he's not limping. Like at the end of the game, he was practically unable to walk from what you saw. And it was kind of like, are you that bad, mate? Is, is that really the case? Because you were fine when you were on the field just moments before and now you can't walk. Like, I, I don't like to talk this way about young kids and getting injured and stuff. Yeah, it's just, just all really... Seemed, it all seemed a bit convenient for mine. Like, oh, wow. Don't, don't fucking just play. Just the Bama conspiracy. Well, just don't play. You need to or... come up with this entire conspiracy theory because I feel like there's one there. You need, to, you need to jot this down. You need to talk us through your thoughts on the, on this Bama situation because it's there, it's boiling. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I thought he actually played pretty well. His passing numbers don't look fantastic. Yeah, he put up big yards and, and threw the touchdowns, but he wasn't consistently uh, you know, moving the chains probably as you would like. I, I think that, to me, again, L- the thing that impressed me most about LSU at the end, actually, in that last quarter was Alabama just scored and LSU had an opportunity with about three or four minutes to go. Oh, it might have even been less than that, under two minutes. And I thought they might go conservative, run the ball, try and take the timeouts away. But not. Nah, they put Joe Bar- Burrow back in, uh, you know, in in an empty, you know, five wide receiver. He got sacked actually on one of them, and then threw a second and fifteen or something to Justin Jefferson, who made a nice catch, nearly fu- nearly bobbled it and and dropped it. But they were aggressive with it, and you have to do that in winning situations. You've got to go and win the game, and they did that to their credit. I think, like you said, if they go and run the ball three times, burn Alabama's timeouts, and then they get the ball back with a minute and a half to go, they're probably scoring. Yeah. And and then LSU lose the game. So it was fantastic to see them go and be aggressive. My other big question is, can you beat Nick Saban twice? He was as demonstrative as I've ever seen him on the sidelines, but we always talk about this with Bill Belichick as well. How often do you see a Bill Belichick team lose to someone and then in the playoffs they just turn around and smoke them by like three touchdowns? How easy is it going to be if LSU and Alabama do end up playing in the playoff again? I could see Alabama just rolling into town and just cruising through them because Nick Saban is that good of a coach. Yeah, that's a really good point. He, he certainly is. So that's what makes them so dangerous as well. If, if they do get a chance there, they're still very likely to take it all out. And, and that's the nature of this team. Uh, Joe Burrow, though, man, he that dude has ice in his veins. He is 
so cool and calm and collected and just rose to the occasion on the biggest moment i I really was like heisman moment sort of stuff they talk about that and he had his that big uh designed qb run draw where he rumbled forward for 15 yards and essentially sealed the game like it did enough Mm -hmm. for them to to get them down there he was awesome he he was super impressive and it's kind of we we talk about this LSU offense and how much it's changed and their play calling was so good on the weekend they just dialed up the right calls at the right times against very good defense nothing but super impressed for how this team has changed from being an absolute abomination on that side of the ball as as early as last year yeah. to what they have now well and so was Joe Burrow he looked nothing this is not the same dude suiting up week in week out and he's gone from that to a, a Heisman front runner, he's got LSU looking like the best team in the country. Uh, is there any concerns of the LSU defense giving up 41 points? This is well, supposed to be a really, really good defense. I, I want to throw this in here. So, all these years has been a Big 12 guy, and then you know the SEC. Oh, Big 12 defense sucks. Well, I guess. SEC defense now sucks? Yeah. I mean, or is I, it just that there's an explosive offense on the other side of the field and that's what fucking happens? Like <laughs> someone who can actually play cool, uh, cool plays and get it out there. SEC conspiracy, man. you got to <laughs> take us through it. The Bama conspiracy. All right, let's move on. Uh, again, we could probably talk about this one all day, but a really enjoyable one. If you haven't watched it, definitely be up on YouTube now. Watch a replay of it. It'll be a good one to catch, even if you do know the result. Anyway, Georgia blank Missouri 27 to nothing. Florida do likewise to Vandy 56 to nothing. Tennessee 17 beat Kentucky 13. Now, I swear these teams have played at least twice already this season. I've really got no idea, but apparently they still had to play again. And all of a sudden, the Vols are one game away from being bowl eligible. My God. I know, they were a fucking mess earlier in the year, but there we go. Western Kentucky destroy Arkansas, which we talked about earlier, 45 to 19, and Chad Morris gets the ass. Old Miss win big. And South Carolina go and lose to App State. 20 to 15. Very good upstate team, but uh, they'd still be super disappointed with that at home. It, you don't go drop in group of five games, so hmm. Will Muschamp would not be overly thrilled about it. Is he on the hot seat now for the Cox? They did have that massive victory over Georgia that I think... So was, that makes upstate better than Georgia, right? Uh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> and then when Georgia go in and win the SEC, then upstate I just yeah. national champions. Exactly. All over again. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's jump across into the Big Ten, which I did mention earlier, but for me, this was the most enjoyable conference of the weekend. Penn State and Minnesota do battle at noon, and Minnesota get out of this one 31 to 26. Now, I'm going to preempt this and say, yes, I picked Penn State, but there are a couple of things that I feel like I was right about, and I've got to boast about them because I wasn't right about much this weekend. But PJ Fleck and Minnesota do get their first big scalp. Taking down the number four team in the country is a big deal. They, the Golden Gophers got out to an early lead, retained possession as we thought they would. They were going to control the clock a little bit. I said that I trusted, here's my boast number one, I said I trusted Minnesota's offense more than Penn State and I was somewhat correct in that. Sean Clifford was forced to play from behind, threw some really, really bad balls. Just those picks of his, the ball sat in the air for what felt like about a million years with receivers actually running open. The ball just hung up there. He didn't put enough on it. He was picked off three times. He turned it over on downs in the red zone. This was the Penn State that I expected at some stage this year. I just don't think they're that good. They're limited by 
their offense, uh, Pat Frymuth and KJ Hamler were trying to do everything and they did. They got a little bit of help on the ground this week from Journey Brown, but I was really, really impressed by Minnesota. That, yeah, they came up big. Yeah, they had a bit of luck, but you need that at times. If you're going to beat a top 10 team in the nation, you need a bit of luck. You need them to be off a little bit and you need to go and make those plays uh, when they're there. So, you know, big ups to Minnesota. I liked the, I like watching their offense. Their defense is stout. And I think they've got a game plan and a system that will run throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, I'll get my boast in it. I pick Minnesota to win. Yeah, good on you. So that's probably more impressive than that whole little spiel that you had there. <sighs> but uh, no, that, it's great. I love to see the little guy stand up and, and get a win and that's what they certainly are in this situation so they've got an interesting run home after this one with Iowa on deck uh, this week Northwestern and Wisconsin uh, and you know the, the way that they're traveling at the moment they could run through all those games uh, yeah. yeah it's it's going to be awesome for them um, the QB Tanner Morgan was insanely efficient and he did exactly what he needed to do he only missed two passes on the day I think, I mean, 18 for 20 yeah. that's insane for 340 yards too. Yeah. so this is not dink and dunk shit this is executing exactly as he needs to he had the three touchdowns and was really kind of the difference in this one because if there's any slip up in that you're not getting the win. Yeah. And, and he was perfect. And, and that's what they needed. Like, they needed to be perfect. They needed to force Penn State into making some mistakes. But it all played out, and, and that's good coaching. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and they were pumped after the game. That was... And rightly so. Oh, I mean, these guys a... have put themselves in a position now to win the Big Ten West. They haven't been in that position since, like, the 70s. Fucking live it up, boys. Yeah. Go your hardest. Oh, it's as good as a storm as I've seen in terms of yeah, yeah. on the field. The photos that they had afterwards were just absolutely insane. So they would have certainly been enjoying themselves late into the evening. Yeah, no doubt. Now, there's probably a loss on their schedule. Everything did go right for them, and they did just get across the line this week. But as we move on, there's they've got Iowa next week. There's nothing to be afraid of of this Iowa team. Offensively, they're sluggish and, you know really a really hard watch defensively they're good but I think Minnesota if you can put up 26 on Penn State you can definitely put up that on Iowa and that will be enough to beat them in my opinion so let's jump across to that Wisconsin Iowa game 24-22 to the Badgers Uh, the shine has really gone off for Wisconsin though I think they they were a far better team than Iowa and they're not playing like they were pre-Illinois Pre-Illinois loss, pre-Maryland, Maryland, sorry, Ohio State creaming them. Uh, and they just seem to not quite be firing on all cylinders. Having said that, Jonathan Taylor went off for 250 yards on 31 carries, which is amazing. And on the Iowa side, they've lost to another ranked team and they're 0-3 on the season against foes that are ranked. So that's a little bit disappointing for the Hawkeyes and another reason that Minnesota should not be too worried. Yeah, I mean, this is two similar teams. We, we kind of expected it. Uh, what did I, I said it was going to be 24 nothing. 
uh, to Wisconsin. So obviously defensively, they've let me down here because <laughs> that would have been awesome. But Jonathan Taylor is that football team at the moment and they know that. They feed him the ball 31 times and he does enough to get them the win. So I'm impressed that he's not able to get in the end zone at all. Like that yeah. seems hard to do. 31 carries, 250 yards, but not in the end zone. Yeah. Like, is he taking a knee? Yeah. One? <laughs> trying to get the getting, other boys in and Getting pushed out of bounds at the one. Yeah. A real physical slugfest in this one, which we sort of expected. And Wisconsin come out on top. Neither quarterback looked particularly comfortable either. Um, Jack Cohn well, and Nate Stanley are both going to have to play better against Minnesota and, and be more accurate pushing the ball down the field if they want to beat the Gophers and keep in touch in the West as well. Yeah, let's get this rolling. All right, Ohio State 73, destroy Maryland 14. Anything there? No, I mean, yuck. Yeah. Maryland are really struggling, aren't they? Battling. Brandon Peters threw a touchdown with five seconds remaining to cap the biggest comeback in school history for Illinois as they scored 27 in the fourth quarter to get past Michigan State 37-34. Cody White and Elijah Collins were both good for Sparty, but... It was all for nothing in the end. The Illini are bowl eligible, so get around it. Well done, those guys. I know you were keeping a close eye on this one down the stretch. Oh, absolutely. The fighting Illini, my new favorite team. I'm on board. I'm going to grow out my beard. I'm going to dye it gray, and I'm going to go all Lovey Smith on you. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Who was the quarterback that used to? Juice Williams? Was Juice uh, Williams the quarterback at Illinois back when they were kind of okay? He did some good things for them. Uh, but it's been a long time between drinks for them and and a, you know, a really, really good job by them and, and a big, big win on the road to come back from so far is really impressive. Absolutely. I mean, they have turned the corner here. They they started off with a couple of easier you know, tune-up games and then they lost to Eastern Michigan, lost to Nebraska, lost to Minnesota and lost to Michigan. And they were looking you know, terrible. There was no chance that they were making a... A bowl game from there and then since then since that miraculous victory over wisconsin bit of confidence and they've just on the bounce purdue fuck off Rutgers get away and now michigan state and i think they've been underdogs in every one of these matchups yeah and i've got it done in all of them so yeah all about that uh yeah i'm i'm bloody stoked with the Illini. and you probably don't want to get them now either Absolutely like, not. Like that's a, a team with their tail up is the worst thing at this time well, of year. It was like the end of this footy season. The Hawks weren't going to make the finals, but they were as dangerous as anyone. Yeah, they, were, yeah. they were rolling teams. So. Yeah. Uh, last one is Purdue and Northwestern. They score, well, Northwestern score more points than I thought they would, but Purdue 24, Northwestern 22 uh, in a game that, really no one's going to care about especially with three weeks left to go in the regular yeah, season and we, we asked our listeners to hit us up if you were watching that game and and no one did so i'm assuming no one in australia was watching <laughs> that's good all right into the big 12 oklahoma squeaked by iowa state 42 41 matt campbell decides to go for the two-point conversion and it could have been pass interference as the db appeared like he motley was it that got there too early uh but the Sooners escape, they stay alive in the not only the national title hunt, but also in the Big 12. Dropping a second game there probably wouldn't be ideal for them. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? And do Oklahoma have a show at a or an argument for a college football semifinal? Yeah, I think they're certainly one of the most dangerous teams, absolutely. So that's a, a, a pretty bad loss that I think is going to hurt them, that Kansas State one, and, and that was shown on the weekend with them 
going down as well. So we, we saw some really good quarterback play here. I mean, Brock Purdy was awesome with his five touchdowns and Jalen Hurts accounted for five as well himself. I mean, th- these guys are fucking players and, mm. and they're really showing out this year. So I think Matt Campbell, he, he's surely gone after this year, right? I mean, yeah, but he, it seems like he's got to take the right job. I, I haven't looked at Matt Campbell enough to know. Like, where's he from? That always, I mean, that always is the question. Not that that should matter too much, but they always talk about it from a recruiting perspective. It's like, oh, if you, you know, you've got to be from the South to recruit the South. You could be a, a you know, a West Coast guy to re- recruit West. And they talk about it with Chip Kelly. It's like, yeah, he did it at Oregon. He'll do it at UCLA. But to see him come across and take on, uh, you know, a, a, an SEC team and say, hey, you know, you're going to take the reins at Arkansas or you're going to take the reins at Ole Miss doesn't seem to be his fit. And they always talk about that very very geographically. And I don't know how relevant or important that is. I mean, we saw Willie Taggart go and recruit pretty well at Oregon. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know if that is going to play into his decision as well. Yeah, well, he's an Ohio guy. So he was born in Ohio. So Midwest. Pitt. Uh, I, I feel like it's pro football for him. I feel yeah, like there's yeah. opportunities there. Yeah, I, I mean, there is for a lot of those guys. But what ma- this, and this is a move I don't know enough about either, is what makes a college, like, what makes a college coach an NFL prospect? Because they talk about it with uh, Matt Rule at, at Baylor as well, that he could make the next step up. But they very rarely talk about it from other coaches that have been successful, particularly if they're offensive spready guys. Uh, I just I just don't know what makes someone an an NFL guy and not you know we see so many college coaches go up to the NFL it's not a natural stepping stone for everyone no no certainly not but it is a changing game the NFL and I think Cliff Kingsbury and the success that he's had I mean because they were supposed to be pretty bad this year and whilst they haven't been excellent he certainly hasn't embarrassed himself there I think that helps pave the way for more guys to come through and, and be looked at as viable candidates yeah okay uh, so it'll be interesting to see and, and you know, I, I, we thought that when uh, Urban Meyer left Ohio State, he might be the guy there, but that didn't eventuate and, yeah. All right, let's move on. Baylor beat TCU 29-23. This was 9-all and went to OT. Baylor has a loss on their schedule coming somewhere. They're not staying undefeated, I do not think. 9-all, fucking hell. Yeah, shit hard, eh? Uh, you said TCU would win that one, so you've got one wrong. Texas, go and beat K-State 27-24. What does that mean for K-State, a team that was kind of sort of semi-rolling there, number 16 in the country? Texas have been a bit of a unpredictable, to say the least, bad, probably at the worst end. What? Where does that leave K-State? Are they relevant? I don't know. No, certainly not. I think this is about where K-State are. I mean, they had that massive upset of Oklahoma, but that happens and I, I don't think that means that this is a very good football team uh, that this is kind of where there are they're, they're a decent side but there's certainly nothing special uh, I, I still believe that the middle to upper area in the Big 12 is really quite strong I think that would stack up well against all the other conferences but from a national recognition yeah they might get to some decent bowl games and I expect them to do pretty well come bowl season but it doesn't really mean a lot no I also think they're probably the opposite of Minnesota like Minnesota have got a big scout but I think they're actually okay K-State have got a big scout but it felt like it was a one week everything coming together for them 
Uh, Texas Tech beat West Virginia 38-17. Across into the Pac-12, Washington beat Oregon State 19-7 on the back of Salvin Ahmed's big day. Can you work out Stanford's season? I can't. Colorado gets the better of them, 16-13. They're not looking like they're going bowling. This is brilliant. Was that a prediction for you? Absolutely it it was, yeah. Now they need to win two of at Washington State, Cal and Notre Dame. Ooh, wow. USC score four first quarter touchdowns and then hang on for dear life against Arizona State. And they win that one 31-6 as they kick only a field goal for the remaining three quarters. Cow shows some life on offense and they beat Washington State 33-20. to You picked that one as well. Fucking get around As me. my tips continue to go out the window completely. I have, I've had a ripper weekend, haven't I? You have. It'll all dry up next week. Don't you worry. Into anything about the Pac-12 games that is relevant at all? Obviously, Oregon didn't play this week, and they're sort of the big name in the Pac-12 for this season. Well, and Utah as well. Oh, and Utah, off sorry. Yeah. Let's not, let's not mm. go missing out on them. We've forgotten Utah again. You will not make many friends out in Salt Lake. And they're so nice there too. Oh. All Mormon and shit. Yeah, and shit. All right, ACC. Uh, the most significant game of the ACC this week was Virginia Tech beating Wake Forest 36-17. to Wake Forest, to me, will probably dissolve into a very quiet end of the year. We probably won't hear too much from them. The Hokies dominate the second half and keep in touch in the Coastal. Wow, there's still a chance of winning the Coastal. You're a fuckhead. Uh, Virginia just gets over Georgia Tech, which whilst I'd, you know, I'd still like to see Miami win the Coastal... As long as Virginia Tech don't, I'm okay. Uh, but Virginia just get over Georgia Tech 33-28, and apparently things are going in the right direction for Tech. Not that I really think Virginia's that good, but, you know, well done. Scoring 28 points, never thought that would happen start of the year. Yeah, correct. That's a, a decent result for them. Yeah. A, a An close, honorable loss. Yeah, which I know that's what, that's, that's what athletes are all about. But you can see next year they'll be better for this whole experience. They're in... The, well, Virginia in the driver's seat for maybe the worst division in football in the Coastal, at least in the Power Five. Miami beat up on Louisville at 52-27. I will continue to not follow them. Uh, Florida State get over Boston College. This week it was James Blackman that got the start and the win for the Seminoles, so I'm not really watch, sure what they're doing in the quarterback room there. Duke gets smoked by Notre Dame, 38-7, in another game that I completely effed up. And I picked correctly. And Clemson beat NC State, 55-10. to Anything in the ACC that you would like to discuss? <sighs> Boston really let me down. I just needed them to win that one, and we would have been really, really happy. But, hey, you gotta you got to take some lumps somewhere. Can't get them all right. Okay. That takes us through the game recaps. Is there anything else that you would like to discuss, maybe from a group of five perspective? I don't have anything else here on my sheet. No, all good, mate. Let's keep this going. All righto. Uh, now, would you like to go on the punt here? I feel like you're, you're getting keen again. We haven't heard that little shitty money drop. It's true. We haven't. No, let's go uh, helmet stickers here All right, now. take us through it. Who were the big performers on the week? Okay, so uh, ECU, East Carolina, really have just flicked a switch the last couple of weeks. Uh, and their quarterback, again, Holton Ehlers, uh, second week in a row he's been the most prolific passer. So he went 32 of 42 for just shy of 500 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, and they fucking lost. Again. Like they, did it la- they did it last week. They just keep putting up scores and losing. What does a guy have to do? <laughs> I don't know. Jesus Score Christ. again, maybe? Uh, Keldon Slovis started 
hot like real oh, hot yeah. and then I think he got boozed at half time <laughs> and they coasted home but my god he went uh, 29-39 for 432 and four touchdowns himself which was really good Shane Bouchelle and the other one uh, that East Carolina matchup at SMU had himself 414 yards and five touchdowns too so super impressive uh, rushing the ball Jonathan Taylor had 250 yards which is just what he does uh, Rakeem Boyd at Arkansas so yeah they lost he, he only carried the ball eight times and for 185 yards on eight carries you know what the average there is I, I don't do math 23.1 yards a carry not bad <laughs> <laughs> not bad I'm assuming there's a couple of long runs in that one uh, quarterback at Mississippi, John Reese Plumley. Yeah, yeah. He had uh, 12 carries for 177 yards himself too. So that's a, a really impressive effort. And uh, then catching the ball, we had uh, at East Carolina, Tyler Sneed had 19 catches. That's right, 19 19? One nine, that's fucking lots. 240 yards. I've not had that many touchdowns. kicks in a whole season of footy before. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, yeah, that's... That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Devonta Smith at Alabama in their loss was really good. He had seven catches for 213 yards at an average of 30. And he's just so dynamic. I know we've talked about him a fair bit on this show, but he was just dangerous every time he got his hands on the ball. And uh, Rashad Bateman. I was at, hoping you were going to say him. At Minnesota. I disappointed if you did. He was really good. Uh, seven catches, 203 yards and a touchdown. Awesome day out in their big victory. Uh, yeah, I, I will throw one more in there. And again, massive homer pick. I'm sorry, I've doubled down on it two weeks in a row. But Jaron Williams set the school touchdown record at Miami with six passing touchdowns this week. So a pretty good outing for him. Is that a school record down there? That's cute. You're a fuckhead. <laughs> you are a dickhead. The things I've got to deal with. Uh, maybe, play some, maybe, maybe play some defense once in a while, dude. How about that? How about that? Mate, we could stack up in the SEC these days. Ooh, have you seen your defense? Don't worry about it. Have you seen SEC defenses? They're running up 40 your, points Your too. defenses remind me of like those inflatable noodle guys you see out the front of like car dealerships. Yeah, they're scary for young kids. <laughs> okay, Aussies in action. Take us through Here we the go. weekend's best performance on the punt. Another cracking week for Aussies. So some really good performances. Uh, first up, Luke Magliozzi at uh, UConn. Fuck, his team were terrible. They got smoked 48-3 to uh, against Cincinnati. But he was good. He had five punts for 45 yards, so he can hold his head high. Uh, Xavier Suboc at App State. I still don't know if you know how to say his name. I certainly don't. Okay, good. But I'm certainly not going to exclude him just because <laughs> I don't know how to fucking say his name. So give him a bit of love because they had a big victory over South Carolina. They wouldn't beat SEC teams all that much, I don't think. Just Michigan. Uh, he had seven punts at an average of 45.1, which is really good. Blake Hayes, I think maybe he's the catalyst for Illinois because his game has really improved with them getting up and about. It's all he about had, field position. He had a really busy day. He had nine punts and averaged 44.6, which is awesome. But our player of the week this week, out of the University of South Alabama, Whoa. Jack Brooks. So they went down in a tight one to Texas State, but he had five punts and averaged 47.8 yards. And, and he's had some really good games in there. So a bit more consistency in his game, and you'll really start to see him shoot up these rankings. When we do look at the rankings, we still have 
four players in the top 10 of the country. So Max Duffy still resides in at number two with an awesome net rating as well. Uh, Oscar Bradburn in at three. Dane Roy has made himself comfortable in that number six position. And John Haggerty at Western Kentucky at 10. There you go. A lot of information in the punting game. So hopefully Max Duffy can get back on top. I'm assuming Braden Mann is the guy at A&M who's taken the number one spot. He is the number one man, yes. Okay, let's have a look at bold predictions where I melted down even harder. And you will love this little number, Will. Here we go. You will love this. So I said that all the Big Ten games will go under the point spread. You did say this. Ohio State put up 73, which completely torched that game, even if Maryland... That was the first one. That was the first one. As soon as you said that, I called it. They're going large. This isn't the problem, though, because you said that the bookmakers would roughly split it over and under. That is 100% not the case. In fact, I took all the unders. If you'd just gone all the overs... You would have made yourself a pretty penny because every single game went over Get and fun. pretty comfortably yeah, as well. Yeah. And you said that everyone would go, go under. under. Yeah. You are so bad at this. Mate, I'm just copying you on the punt because like you said, just do the opposite of what you do and you'll make some money. So just do the opposite of what I do on bold predictions and you'll be sweet. Man, if someone's listening in for the first time, I'm thinking, fuck that Will guy knows a lot about college football, but Aaron does not know shit. <laughs> that would be 100% accurate, actually. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, wow. So that's that's hard to do. I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. Yeah, exactly. I, I, like, it's like getting zero footy tips in a week. That's yeah, hard to exactly do. Exactly <laughs> right. You always like, you should get eight points for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. I almost give you that, but... Uh, mine, oh so close, oh so close. So the times they are a changing. I said LSU Bama was going to be another classic, similar vein to the what was it three six matchup that we had six nine matchup. Yeah, it was going to be a shootout. This one would be a shootout, and that the over under would be ninety points, eighty seven. They got to so I just fell short on that, but I'm still pretty happy with it. Uh, I I was really around the mark there, so that's. My good week continues. You're right there. You're right. Just bloody pumping yourself up, mate. When you have these a good massive weeks, head like yours, as it is, I'm going to struggle to get out of the studio. Tonight. Exactly. Exactly. You've got to enjoy it while it lasts, because if there's anything that I have learned from this, it doesn't last long for me. Oh, and, and I can't wait. Scrounging in the couch for cash. I cannot wait till you come screeching back to earth, and that fucking head wobble that you're rolling with at the moment deteriorates because so, it needs I've to I've got such modesty with this I think I'm really good about it maybe not nah fuck it I'm awesome get around me <laughs> alright uh, here comes the money oh, <laughs> I didn't even get to get to it fuck me so here we go on the punt we've done it this is has been our most successful week of all time on the punt really? well for the show absolutely uh, not personally speaking, I still didn't even make enough to cover the Melbourne Cup day, <laughs> but an awesome result, which is really good and probably just speaks to the fact that I haven't really had many great results. And this is all really on the back of one game. So I was on Illinois to win. Uh, you liked the pick, but I think you wanted to take the points. They were getting yeah, four yeah. and a half points. I went, nah, fuck it. Six bucks to win. Get around them. They'll get it done. You must have been no nervous there at the start of the last quarter. Uh, no, well they were like they were down real late. It was that last like they had fourth down and goal 
like yeah, late yeah. in the last I was fucking yeah sweating <laughs> but they got it done and, and that's what college football is about that's what punting's all about because your fist pumps in the and <laughs> like I was nursing a bit of a hangover on s- Sunday so that really helped get me up and about okay out of my uh, my poor state so that was brilliant love that I had old Miss over New Mexico State said that was easy money and it and it was they won 41 to 3 they, they were only giving up 28 and a half so they covered that one up quite comfortably unfortunately Boston as a, a two point favourite couldn't quite get the job done so that one hurts because if they had of all got in then we would be talking big bucks but unfortunately it's just the plus 13.7 units this Whoa. week are you back in the black? absolutely not no so <laughs> Let's not go crazy. <laughs> Even with such a successful week, that has still get me to a season the long total of negative 3.2. Well, that's but look okay. Out. If you're looking at the last month, take the last month's results. Obviously, I had a good one this week, but last month's results, I'm plus 16 units. Wow. So, so uh, you were just a car crash early. Yeah, absolutely I was. Absolutely I was. And, and normally, it's kind of the other way around. Normally, I start strong yeah, and you do. fade into... Oblivion. Yeah, but for whatever it is, I've I've had a good week, and I feel like I've been due. Like, surely if you fucking you have, mate, exactly. Like, even if you're just (laughs) randomly plucking numbers out, but at some stage you should have hit the lotto and. Finally, I almost got there, but did enough to, to get it there. And I'm pretty happy with you it. You need to buy yourself one of those World Cup octopuses or something. Like, you yeah. know, those ones that yeah, crawl get, into a box. I could get little Pip out and just... Point her, spin her in a circle when she falls just, down. Yeah, exactly right. Something like that. But no, I'm going to keep backing myself in because I am uh, channeling something here. Things are looking good. I'm, I'm really going to run us home and I'm going to get us back some money over these last few weeks okay well you've only got three to go but you you've come up good and florida state as much as you said this wouldn't happen they've played better after the loss of their coach yeah yeah yeah, they did well i mean they maybe they played back they they played correct as a result of the loss of their coach yeah uh, but i can't blame bc for that they did exactly what i needed them to do they fed aj Dillon like 40 times It's just they contained him and they knew that that was what they were going to do. He couldn't get going. So I'm not super mad about that. Righto, that brings us to the end of our Week 11 recap show. As always, please do hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at CFB Down Under. Make sure you have a chat to us. I'm not here on Wednesday, but I'm sure Will will cook something up in terms of a quality guest. Uh, Make sure you tell all your friends about us. Make sure you subscribe to the show, whether that is through iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Pod something, Pod this, something that. There's a million podcatchers out there. So whatever you're on, make sure you do subscribe to the show. Leave us a review and uh, please do get in touch and enjoy what is building to a massive massive end of college football for season 2019 and this is what it's all about we're getting to the pointy end now Uh, unless you have got anything else young william no if anyone wants to get around so by no and then start talking good yeah absolutely it's a real aussie thing yeah yeah nah Uh, if anyone out there did follow the tips, please get it, let me know. I, I want to share this love with with others out there. Surely someone's like Will's Jew. I'm backing him <laughs> in. 
Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, and I'd love to hear the story. One final note, the Campbell Fighting Camels went down to Kennesaw State, which effectively puts them out of the running for this year, which is a bit disappointing. Anyway, on behalf of that guy over there, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.